nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me tonight, Sir Michael Livesley, we have... You've got Russell T. Carmichael. Oh, oh my very word. excited little boy oh. he is, too. Oh, he Go is. on, tell us all about it, dear. Well, I mean, obviously, this is where you can start your Doctor Who count now, uh, listeners, because yes. there might be some mentions of this. Um, but today at three o'clock, it's the announcement. <laughs> Russell, Russell, T- well, three fifteen. Russell T. Davis is coming back to take the uh, the reins of the good ship Doctor Who, Doctor and I am. Who. Oh, I'm over the moon about it. I'm very happy. I I'm have to very say, you happy. have you have imbued me with some kind of some happy dust from your RTD. Chuftiness. Well, do you know what? I mean, it's oh, it's just lovely, isn't it? Because that when that when that first came back, and immediately when it was announced in two thousand and three, and everyone's saying <laughs> the TV landscape's changed; it'll never work, can't yeah. happen. Then it comes back, and it bloody works. Yo, oh, it's yeah. proper worked, and then it it worked beautifully, and then maybe in recent years, not quite so much no absolutely fucking shite i'm sure it is i've not that i've watched it but i Mm. do remember what i remember the most of all was the uh the jonathan ross show with was it eccleston who was on it it was eccleston who was on it wasn't it when this is before Mm. manuel gate or whatever it was that uh, sax gate they called it didn't they where uh they got rid of that's right yeah ross and that's how long ago this was um, Ross and Russell Brand for shouting yeah. at Andrew Sachs's granddaughter down the phone. Yeah. yeah, and Eccleston was a guest on the Friday night Jonathan Ross show, the the slot that's now um, Graham Norton. Mm. And uh, I remember them showing, you know, that um, that that compilation of clips to show that it was coming with the carriage going round the corner and yes. the, uh, and everything. And yes. I just remember it finishing with like oh, this massive cheer from the studio floor and, and Ross going, it's back, it's back, it's yes. back. And it was yes. just like, oh man, yeah, the, the, the her on the back oh, of your neck. Lovely stuff. And because he's done it once, and I think that, you know, Russell T. Davis is a hell of a, hell of a writer, of course. Yes. Well, obviously, we must remember that I turned down the opportunity to work with him some 30 years Why ago. Why didn't you, dear? Oh dear, now, t- today I... No, I'm not thinking about that. I will regret it today more you than will, ever if yes, I do. Yes, I suppose you will. I mean, there's still time, surely there's time. But you know, the, the, the one the one worry... I mean, you know, we are now in the world where he has reached Let's um, levels He of, has reached Barry Let's levels. He has. Yeah. He has come back. He's the only producer... Well, I mean, Let's came back just to sort of pat John Nathan Turner on the head and look after him and make sure that... The transition worked, but there was okay, also whereas... the, there was the worry that he wasn't a, a good enough pair of hands, wasn't there? I mean, I'm I sure that Gary that. Downey would have disagreed. However, yeah. um, there was that worry, wasn't he? Just a, a, a pom at the time. He was. He, he did. I mean, it was a hell of a jump, really, wasn't it? From yeah. production unit manager up to producer. Um, so that was quite a leap. But you know, it it worked. Let's be honest. But I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bidmead. Yes. 
you know. No, absolutely. But, but both of them weren't proven, were they? So, I mean, no. one of the things I saw today on Twitter, you'll know all, I don't even know why I'm saying any of this, because no. you could just sit there and talk for, about this for an hour. But mm. one of the things I saw today is that he did an interview recently where he was saying, you know, why don't we have, like, the, a Disney channel? Why don't we have a Doctor Who channel? Why shouldn't next week there mm. be a season starting of the, the, the 10th and 11th Doctor, you know, working mm. together in a new season? You know, why shouldn't there be uh, a Sarah Jane and blah, blah? Yeah, no, he's, and he's absolutely right. I mean, but then again, when he was, you know, producing, it wasn't just that he was doing that one series, was it? Because he had Doctor Who, he had Torchwood, he had the Sarah Jane Adventures, he had Doctor Who Confidential on BBC Three, and he even yeah. for a couple of years had Totally Doctor Who on CBBC. So, so doesn't I know? Yeah, and the, uh, yes, you're quite right. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that proper production line going for a couple of years, which is why it's possibly all the more strange that, you know, we're, we're lucky if we get one series 18 months, every 18 months, and we're lucky if we've had that since he left, really. So, Well, hmm. you know what you're on about. I mean, I've not watched it since probably... I, I have to say that I wasn't keen on Ten. I, I made no secret of that, but at no. the same time, I, I sort of felt that... I don't know, I felt my duty, I, I sort of felt like Chris Eccleston did after that first season, I suppose, it was kind of like, this is enough for me, and mm. I was kind of very aware that it wasn't being made for my age group or whatever, so mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of, I thought that for kids, it must have been absolutely breathtaking, I mean, was, oh, it, was it the first series that ended with the end of the world? It no. ended, uh, first series ends with, uh, no, The End of the World was the second episode, uh, so Not first the, series... What's the one with the, 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 the total Dalek war? Isn't that the, the season? Yeah, that, that that's right, that? yeah, it ends with that and the Bad, bad Wolf, wolf stuff, the Bad Wolf stuff. Right, yeah, okay. So I, I think that what you got there was something that did engage, but it engaged a family audience again, and that's bloody rare, you know, to actually make a little bit of event television that seems to work. Um, hey, fucking hell, so, man! You only have to look at the figures to see it worked. <laughs> you really do. Opinion, and it did get the number one slot. You know, for the first time ever, um, yeah. he, he well, got it Christmas, to number one. That Christmas, when we all had our sort of uh, Tardis toy, you know, mm. with the console, mm. um, and when we all had our sort of, I think, I think it was called, was it an Explorer Dalek that had the claw on it? Yeah, that's. There, there I were think two, so, yeah. wasn't there? At the, yeah. at the start, I remember at that first Christmas, I had. Oh, this is pathetic because I must have been about thirty-two <laughs> years old. Yeah, I would have been. <laughs> so for that Christmas, I had the um, Slitheine and Ninth Doctor walkie-talkies. Mm. I had, I think it's an Explorer Dalek with a, a claw on it. Mm. The normal one, you know, the twelve-inch gold ones. Yes, yeah, yeah. I yeah. also had the five-inch gold ones, the mm. which came with little the, the radio control. I had that Tardis interior thing. Uh-huh. Oh God, I I just went mad. I well, just went yeah, mad. but you know, it was all the stuff that should have been around when we yes. were kids. All wasn't we it? had was the box off our Peter Davison Souchard Easter egg. Yeah, where he's know. spaffing flames. So, spaffing flames. I had yeah. that, and I used to get um, screwball ice creams or rocket ships, whatever they were called, with the, with the chewing gum in the bottom ice cream. Mm. And I used to eat the ice cream, obviously, and then eat the chewing gum. And I'd fill them with plaster of Paris, turn mm. them upside down when they were set. Bosh! There you go. You you could make your own Dalek, and you painted them up, and you could have any colour you like, dear. No, I, I think um, that's lovely, though. And that's all you could have because the toys were shit. They were. They were proper shit. Dennis yeah. Price. Dennis Price. Dennis was Fisher, it? wasn't it? Dennis Fisher. Dennis Price, someone else, and uh, Dennis yes. Fisher. Did Dennis Fisher right. write the Avengers, though. 
<laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, it was oh. Dennis Fisher ties, but what was the Dennis who wrote the Avengers? Right in, um, boys and girls, if you know. Wasn't it Dennis yeah, Fisher? Is that another was, Dennis Fisher? There was another Dennis somewhere. No, Den Den. Um, Den Den. Den Den. Den. Um, but yeah, we've got. I I think that this is this is bloody good news because as a writer, he's only got better since he left. I mean, years and yeah, years. I, I thought I was a stunning bit of television. Um, it's a sin. Was this swooping sort of like landmark yeah. bit of telly, and then yeah. suddenly he's like, "Well, I'll come and do Doctor Who again." It, now, it does I, feel good. It does feel I good. Thought, the, it could go two ways, though, couldn't it? It could, it could. Either be Ronaldo returning to United, who scored what was it, two or three on his return the other week, which is like, I don't know what that means. You know, Gloriana. It was like Charles the Second, right? It was like it was like Charles the Second returning from France after mm-hmm. the Civil War, right? Or it could be Howard Kendall returning to Everton. <laughs> Well, I don't understand any of this, but I think one of them's <laughs> you one is good and one's bad. I, do, yes, I don't. I've no, but, but what right, I know then, Brucey, is what I know. Brucey returning to the generation game, bad. Right. Okay. Got you. Brucey returning to the generation game, bad. Um, right. What 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 would be a comparative good thing when someone came back? Um, well, someone that's good when they come back. I mean, that's good. Well, it doesn't happen often, does it? Where it doesn't. And, and, no. and the balls this guy has to try it. Absolutely. And probably the money he's been offered to try it. Lots. I would imagine lots. I would imagine. Lots. And now, But the thing is, of course, just I think less than a week ago on the old WhatsApp, I said to you, I was fairly sure that what was about to happen was just it was going to be rested. Mm. And I was absolutely certain that was the case. And suddenly it's like, oh, no, it's not. It's this. So, oh. Exciting. I think that I think that it's also it gives people a little bit of a shot in the arm after eighteen months of this fucking lockdown and all the other bollocks. It's like, well, oh, look, here's yeah. something lovely and showbiz and shiny that takes us back. Because as well as anything else, he's a Sydney Newman, isn't he? You know, we 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 are happy to compare him to JNT, absolutely, uh, because he's a young guy who who has a big ask and rises mm. to the occasion and, and takes it to Soaring Heights. But for me, he's more like Sydney Newman. He's this flamboyant, um, rumbunctious, mm. incredibly gifted bloke. No, I'd agree with that. And I think that maybe, maybe this is a little glimmer of hope for the whole sort of BBC thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a glimmer maybe. of hope for humanity. Is, is maybe it is. <laughs> maybe. Because you know what? There's nothing on the shelves. There's no petrol. We're all going to hell. Oh, don't right, care. That, well, that one, that one's, uh, I, I was I was coming home before and it was like, oh, right, what's all this? What's all this cues for petrol? And then I could yeah. hear someone talking who was standing opposite about uh, what jerry cans are they called? It was like, Oh, here we go, here we yes. go, here we go, round two of demoralisation. So that's that's what's... So in the middle of all this, again, you've got this sort of, I don't know, I don't know, mate, I don't know, I don't no. know. You know all about Doctor Who. You are... I know that, I know that for the first time since he left, I'm still going, oh, okay, I'm a bit excited about this. I'm, so where I'm... did it go wrong for the other guys? Where did it go wrong for Stephen Moffat, was it, who came after him? So, well, I mean, well, in my opinion... Um, Moffat, Moffat came up with these big convoluted stories and you had to really follow the intricacies of right. every episode to, to get to grips with them. Plus, he was presenting characters and it always felt to me that you were being, being given characters and being told, care about this one, care about them, without anything to relate to. And right. he also has a thing for writing women who are smart and sassy. They've always got to be smart and sassy. Right. And that, to me, isn't very... 
welcoming, and I don't know if it is if you're a kid, but then the ratings were very good. Right. So that's fine. Um, I think Capaldi was excellent, but then the general public didn't take to him that much. And then we get to Chibnall, and he seems to have... Well, he gave us an awful lot of four leading characters. I think the casting of maybe one of them was a little bit questionable. Hang um, on a minute. Is this yeah. is this where we are now with fucking John Bishop and Bradley Walsh in it? And yeah. people used to go on about Richard Breers and Ken Dodd. Do you know mm. what I mean? And you've got that pair of wankers in it. <laughs> it's just like, nah. I saw the cover of Doctor Who magazine the other day with John Bishop on it. It's like, oh, I'm just funny, me. And it was mm. just like, no. Absolutely mm. not. No, I wouldn't yeah. watch it on principle. Well, you've got about six episodes of it, and then I've uh, not. I shan't go well, near it. You haven't. I shall tell you all about it. Um, but you've I'll got six episodes, and then you've got three specials, and then we're off to wherever Bad Wolf Productions are going to take us, because it's now for the first time ever. It's a co-production between the BBC and an independent, and that's interesting as well. Do you know what? I tell you what, though, when you look at it from do you remember how exciting it was in 96? Because mm. between 89 and 96, during the Virgin New and, New and Missed Adventures, and we'd had all the fanzines and everything like that, we yeah. had literally gone... It was wet dream time, wasn't it? No, Do you know what I mean? Was. You name it. I think that... Um, I think the story that became Dalek in Series 1, didn't that start as Jubilee? Was, was that a BBC yeah, book or was that a Virgin book? I don't know which... <sighs> I'm, I'm guessing that was actually bit. a BBC, but, you know, when they got yeah. the license back. So they started clawing the licenses back, didn't they, around about 95 or something That's like that. That's right, yeah, yeah. And so it is, it's got a similar sort of a feel to it, except but, we know we've now. we've rinsed, we've rinsed every, you know, that seven years that was really mm. fertile when when people had, even, even I wrote a Doctor Who story at that time. I'm not mm. going to go on about it here because it was absolutely dreadful. However, yeah. um, I, even I wrote some fan fiction then. Um but the thing is, we have rinsed all of that. And I think that's what's happened. So so what you're going to get coming up now, it's, this is why it's quite bold. He is really good. We've even reinvented the origin of the series now, haven't we? You said to me. So we've well, gone all mm. the way back and reinvented it even pre-November uh, 23rd, 1963. We've, we've rinsed the canon. And what was great about people like um, Graham Williams coming in Mm. They, they threw it all away, mm. the canon. They completely threw it all away. Which which I think is no bad thing to do, but, I mean, that is happening again with this latest drum, but people but aren't you, enjoying it quite so much. Oh, is that what they've done now, is it? Is yeah, I mean, done? the canon has been chucked away, but now people are a bit, oh, you can't do that, and of course you can. This is probably the one show where you can just go, nah, let's drop but, but this. But look, look at the reaction to, I mean, and this again is another parallel, the reaction to Graham Williams was, Jane, was Barry Letts being brought back in. Absolutely, you know what I mean? yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, J&T got the gig, but he was on a short leash. You know what I mean? No, and and, and as, we, as we found out around about season 22, right, we see why now. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, but I think that it's going to, I think that what you're talking about is they are putting, they're trying to put in, the, in a safe pair of hands the mm. multi, I don't know what, billion? Multi-million, certainly, mm. dollar franchise, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. That, that's and not I think... making money. 
No, that's the thing. It's not making money. You know, the, the merchandise isn't there anymore like it was back in 2006. So maybe this is part of it. You know, we let's get some revenue going again. And, I, you know, fair enough. I think we'll probably find out. Uh, probably when we're coming up to about show 80, I think it'll be. Because I've, I'll predict now, I think his first episode is going to be Christmas Day next year, I reckon. Is it 23 he starts? Well, he starts straight after the 60th. Uh, no, it's, it's not the 60th. It, no, it's um, the final ones that Chibnall's doing at the 100th anniversary of the BBC, which is next right. year. Right. So okay. I think that we're probably going to get something, I reckon, Christmas Day. I've never understood why they gave up the Christmas Day slot. That's the most ridiculous thing. Oh, did they? Did they? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. No, it was a choice. It was a choice not to run it on Christmas Day by the production team, which is the strangest thing. And it's quite rude, I think, as well. I just um, think that you've had a lot of people there who want to just try and book every possible trend ever mm. um, in order to see if they can make a success. I think potentially... Mm. And I don't know if this is hubris or whatever it is, but it's kind of like, let's make the Doctor female. Let's get rid of the Christmas Day. Didn't you say they got rid of Saturday? Yeah, well, it's Sundays. It's been Sundays for a few years. See, I don't know any of this because I don't watch the telly. So to me, and I don't have any um, opinion on Matt Smith or uh, Peter Capaldi or Jodie mm. Whittaker either way because I've never watched it. So mm. it would be complete bullshit if I stood here and gave you really insightful opinions. But yeah. f- from what you've said... They've thrown away every element that made it a success, be that scheduling or, or be that sort of uh, the canon or whatever it may be. And, and again, it's it's very bold, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. But then it's also can be quite stupid. I mean, to, to do that as well, to, mm-hmm. to chuck things away to that extent, because there are some things that are set in stone. I think that Saturday, yeah, Saturday is one of them. You know, um, I, I always think that's where it should have been. Um, so to have sort of gone, forget Christmas. Oh, okay, that's a strange move. Forget Saturday. No, it's yeah. never quite sat right. Well, it, he did the same, didn't he? With um, season nineteen, we went to was it Monday Tuesday? That's right. Yeah, we did opposite Crossroads as well. No, I don't think it was. I think it was opposite Coronation Street. It was seven thirty-five, wasn't it? No, 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 no. no. You're thinking. No, that's eighty-seven to eighty-nine. It went to seven thirty-five, and Corrie was seven thirty. I so, seem to remember arguments with my mum about Corrie. Are you sure that it was up against Crossroads when it first I started? I think it was. I, I think it was. I think it was earlier. I think it was about it was sort of 6.20 or something like that. No. I think. Yeah. Right. No. Google. 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 Right. Go on, Google. I'm going right. to go. I'll tell you what. If we're not going for a 7.35, I'm go going on. for a 7.05. Okay. Hang on. But um, I'm certain that we weren't missing bloody Krypton Factor and World in Action. I'm certain it was Corrie it was up against at half seven. Right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, broadcast. Yes. Right. That's just, that's no use. Hang on a moment. Well, this isn't going to be very entertaining for the boys and girls. No, that's um, all right. I'll do a little dance. You do a little dance. little dance. Well, we're um, doing the dance, ladies and gentlemen at home. We're yes. doing the dance. The, the, the uh, Paul's RTD dance. Yes. <laughs> as as he on. looks things up. Here we go. RTD, JNT. There is oh, I can't there. find it. Why can't I find this bloody Why thing? didn't you? Right. Hey. Let's not bring that up again. Come on. No, I shan't. Um, right, no, I'll, right, I will find it, but uh, I'll, I'll find it surreptitiously whilst we're talking. But in terms of, obviously, we don't want to go too 
overboard with Doctor no. Moon. But, no. However, it must be said that you are broadcasting tonight from uh, 1971, Mrs. Farrell's Kitchen. I am on the road. I am in Mrs. Farrell's CSO k- Kitchen, which is an approximation of my lovely uh, nice things. Every, th- every time I raise an arm or something like that, part of me disappears. Look at that. Oh, look I'm, at that. I'm, I'm like uh, Roger Gelgado in... Um, <laughs> In in the three doctors, there we go. But Mrs. Farrell's CSO kitchen, yes, and that horrible troll doll. I don't know how they made that troll doll. We really have took a deep dive on Doctor Who here tonight, dear boy. We have, yeah. But do we, you have we any nice things to distract? Also. We don't. And let's I do be have... honest. You are very, very. You're giddy, aren't you? You're very. I, I'm giddy, giddy with this RPD one. News. I absolutely am. But well, there yes. are there are a couple of nice things I've got hold of this week. Okay, let's um, have a look at your nice things. Oh. Uh, well, last week I mentioned, and I don't know if you managed to get hold of a copy, but I mentioned last week uh, about the Will of the Whisper. Right. Today I missed, because I have to go to uh, um, to work, I missed Will of the Whisper and more stories from Will of the Whisper. I bought them both last week after your oh. recommendation. Well, there yes. it is. There's the Will of the Whisper I've had from years, and then, of course... More ah, stories from Will of the Wisp has arrived. Lovely. So we now have the set. And and so we've got 24 of the 25 um, stories. I'm not quite sure which one wasn't done. Uh, have the, you seen the, 25 the cost? Episodes. Have you seen the cost of the theme single? Oh, uh, isn't it about 30 quid? Yeah, 30, 40 quid. I the B-side is, is spoken word though, isn't it, Williams? Um, it's Edna's song on the B-side. That's right, um, yeah, Edna's which song. Is, yeah, all done in character as Edna, explaining how she uh, one night saw a telly while she was flying on her broomstick and decided that looked like fun and turned herself <laughs> into a telly. Um, yeah, lovely little origin sort of spoken yeah. word song. Yeah. Um, and, and a sung version of the Will of the Wisp theme. But yeah, yeah I, what's that like? Uh, have you heard wonderful. it? Yes, I have, because I had this record. I got it when right. it came out in 1981, probably for about 40p. Um and I had it until recently, and I can't find it anywhere. It must be on YouTube. I think it is, yeah. It's called Down in the Woods is the song. Yeah. Uh, and he plays every character um, during this song, sort of singing with each other. And it's... Lovely. Oh, it's absolutely lovely. So so that turned up. That was a nice thing. But yes. also... Yes. And I, you, you fingered this, uh, oh, I must did say. I, really? um, yes, I popped to uh, Sex. Oh, I think that's yeah. How, I think that's how you pronounce it, C-E-X, never quite yeah. sure. I think I think it's just called that to embarrass me, but I picked up um, the complete upstairs-downstairs. Yes. 15 quid. Yes. Look at that. 21 yes. discs, 68 episodes of upstairs-downstairs. How, how much of it have you soaked in, then? Uh, I hate to say it, it's been such a busy week. I've fallen asleep in front of the first oh. episode three times. Bastard. <sighs> yes, so, it's never good, is it, that? It, it isn't, no. So, um... However, I will I will be getting into that this weekend with the old upstairs downstairs. Oh definitely. my god! Yeah, I don't blame you. That is a smashing piece of nice stuff. Now, I've, this week has been very very nice things free. Mm. Um, work has taken over. We don't like this. It's mm. not fair. No. Unfortunately, people have to work. I don't like it. Mm. So um, my mind hasn't been on too many nice things. I suppose. I suppose that. Uh, I suppose that. You you've been flying the flag this week for us. Mind mm. you, I did order stuff. It's just that I've not been. I've been at work, so I've got the the dreaded little red card mm. through, you know. And I've got one from last week for something. I don't know what it is because everything I've bought, I have. 
But oh. then again, you know how it is. You just buy that much shite sometimes. Sometimes things take a couple of weeks to arrive. They can, yes. That can happen. Yeah. So I um, got my uh, I Play for Today book, uh, right. which I've not had a look at yet. The Irene, is it Shubrick? Shubak. Yeah. Shubak's that you say. Mm. So. so I've got that to, to leaf through. I've got the Peter Salis. Have you oh, had lovely. a Have you had a crack at that yet? I have started having a crack at Peter Salis. I'm currently uh, we're still in the RAF uh, days when he says that if I survived the war, I decided I would become an actor, which just to me, that summed up so much. You know that decision. Well, I'm going to become an actor if I live. My wow. God, and that I think that puts so much into perspective, doesn't it? At the moment yeah. when we're going, oh, we might not have enough gas. Well, yeah, still be alive. Put yes. a jumper on. Put a yes. jumper on and shush. You'd be all yes. right. Well, it's like the old thought used to say, didn't they? It's like, you know, before penicillin, you could life was more exciting. You could stand on a on a nail on Tuesday and be dead by Saturday. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. it's kind of... And we don't have that kind of jeopardy with life anymore. But No, that, we don't, so... Yeah, so... To, to have a little bit of the jeopardy back, I don't think that's a bad thing every now and again, because it's... We'll be all right. That's the main thing. Well, I think we I think the times of jeopardy are coming back, dear boy. I think we're uh, the the promising food shortages, uh, mm. fuel shortages, um, <laughs> I don't know, booze shortages. You name it. We don't want that. Oh no! But then, no, no, no. That's that's the sort of stock in trade of the news, isn't it? The, the, they re, they exist to frighten us. Well, this is the point, isn't it? I mean, there was um, I think. If I think back, it was around about 1987 when there was an attempt to publish a good newspaper. It wasn't today. It was another newspaper, and the idea was that it would be exclusively good news. And it folded after about two weeks because nobody wanted it. We don't want to read about nice things. No, Uh, unfortunately. Not on the news, unfortunately. You know, the news should be there to be, oh, that's worrying. Which is why rolling be... news is such bullshit. Oh, well, you love a rolling news. I used to like Peter Sissons on it. I loved Peter Sissons. I used to love... That was my weekend. I'd sort of have hangovers with mm. Peter Sissons on a weekend. And I'd enjoy sitting around waiting for his occasional uh, clues that he was a scouser, like Iraq and yeah. things like that, in the middle of his clipped accent. Didn't he yeah. go to school with John Lennon and, and uh, Jimmy Tarbuck? Well, he did. He went to... I think it was Dovedale uh, Primary School that he went yeah. to. And he lived at number eight Ingleton Road, right? And my granddad, my lovely granddad, lived at number ten Ingleton Road. Wow. There you go. Lived next door to Peter Sissons. Wow. Um, briefly, um, but couldn't remember a thing about him. No, my so nan's family. Not much lived of a next, story. Go well, on. my nan's family lived next door to Bernie Clifton's fa- family in um, Langtree Street in Saint Helens, which is now a fire station. There's nothing there about the footprint of it. And mm. I remember tweeting to Bernie Clifton once, hey, a bit pissed probably. Hey, my nan said she used to live next door to And he just replied with like, fucking hell, you're going back there. <laughs> <laughs> my, my nan told me the story, it's a very cinematic story really, that uh, it was called Murder Street, right? Because the bloke over the road killed his wife. And she said she remembered it. And this was the cinematic sort of, um, aspect of the story what she remembered about it was that the the circus or the fur were in town mm. and she said that they used to come around the streets to let you know they were in town there was no telly there was no radio you know we're talking 19 1915 or 1916 she was born in 1908 she was a child mm. at the time yeah uh anyway she said this circus or fur or whatever it was was going through the streets round and round to tell people 
were in town and at the front were these great big you know bloody white horses with all the plumes done and everything very grand looking beautiful sort yeah. of horses and as they went past these beautiful white horses the police got the yard brush to get the blood out of the house and spray all up the white horses you know of the oh. blood out of the house where the woman had been murdered Oh my god! It's very cinematic. Fellini would have loved that. He would have done. Yeah, that's a um, wonderful image, though. Yeah, so they called it Murder Street after that, and I, t- I told Bernie Clifton his his deep dark secret that he lived in Murder Street as a kid, and he's like, <laughs> "Nope, don't remember that." Like, <laughs> yeah, unlikely. Yeah, yeah, well, because he, he was probably born about thirty years after it happened, like you mm. know. Um, but yeah, yeah, living next door to to rich to to famous people. Mm. down the line is sort of like you're always one degree of separation from someone in that regard aren't you You yeah absolutely yeah yeah i think because i think also sort of maybe a a street or two streets down um they also had the rossiter family now Mm. mm, so in that area certainly yeah yeah. so um there were a fair few sort of like uh people it seemed to be you know you've got you've got john lennon you've got peter sissons it's a peculiar little combination of people but it, it's something about that area um, in Liverpool. Those terraced it's houses. Probably good grammar there. school around there. Um, there, there were, yes, there is quite a good grammar school. But what what I think of it mostly, and I, I pop back occasionally and just have a little wander up and down because it's where I spent my Saturday mornings. Certainly from sneer birth. at the proles. Oh, do a little bit of that in their terraced houses. But you know yes. what? Then again. Um, after my grandfather died, um, he had this little uh, two up, two down, and we sold that in 1993, 94, for something like £14,000. Yeah. 14 grand. And now they're going for a good sort of like 280, 290, which is yeah. just staggering, really. It's well, that's, you know, you get, to, you get to walk, to, to trudge the fields that Peter Sissons did. Well, you did. And who wouldn't want that? Rossiter had a trial for Everton. I have heard that. Yeah, he was a very, very fit young bloke, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um, He was the guy who used to take his milkman uh, on holiday with him, didn't he? Because he he was his squash partner. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the Bernard Manning? uh, There's there's footage of it where he opens this, um, some luncheon or other. He's like, Leonard Rossiter, didn't eat meat. Didn't drink. Used to go jogging three times a day. Treated it. What is it? He said. Um, oh, didn't smoke. Didn't drink. Didn't do this. Vegetarian. We used to go running three times a day. Playing squash four times a day. Drop dead at fifty-eight. You can't treat your body like that. <laughs> As he has like this big fag and a, and a pint. You know what I mean? Oh. Um, yeah. The but he was a, he was a fan of wine, wasn't he? If you watch that documentary on him, who's the guy who played? Uh, is it CJ in? Um, John Barron. Yeah, John Barron said he told him they had this really nice plonk um, mm. at, at somewhere in Covent Garden or something like that. And he's like, right, stay there. And the next thing is like, dunk. The jag was up on, literally up, covering the pavement. And he bought every case that he had, they had in the, oh, bar, in the place. Yeah. So he obviously liked his wine, did Len. No, absolutely. Wonderful. I remember, I think it's his final film, is a film called Water, starring him... Michael Caine and Billy Connolly. Is he in that? He's in that, yeah. Wow. He's a, a British diplomat. Um, a remarkable film in which they find a, a source of Perrier water uh, on some island. So the British essentially go all colonial to try and get all the Perrier water out of the, out of the right. place. Right. It's 
wonderful little film, but not very well known, that one. But I remember film. it. It was one of those videos that was in video shops when they first opened that. You know it was, I mean? yeah. Um, I think, that yeah, I got my copy after they after I'd rented it several times, and the man said, "Do you want it? One pound fifty? Yes, definitely." I used to I rent um, Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense. There was one called Black Carrion, and I rented that one so many bloody times because it's it's really good. So um, it's kind of like a pop star has not been seen for about thirty, twenty, thirty years. Mm. Um, and they're looking for him, and they end up in the middle of no. Anyway, you'd have to watch it. I'd be here all night telling you the story, but uh, it's 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 very good. I used to like mm. them Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense. And they're and all cracking, those, aren't they? all those things like that. Do you remember that one uh, Journey into the Unknown? There were things that started at about because you never went bed. So mm. there were things that used to come on about uh, five past midnight or eleven thirty-five or something. This is Granada, so you probably don't know. But I remember the journey into the unknown used to be just like footage going around a, a fun fur at night with nobody on it, you know. Um, and if you if you if you get onto YouTube, look up Journey into the Unknown. It's incredibly evocative opening titles. But there's another one where it's a tire just swinging on a rope, and it had a whistly tune. I remember the tune right now. It goes. Let me try and whistle it. So. And there were always these creepy little stories, you know? I used to yeah. love those and the Edgar Wallace things at, at night. I mean, that's that's been one of those things lately, the amount of Edgar Wallace stuff that's turning up on Talking Pictures. Harry H. Yes. Corbett seems to feature in a lot of them. He does, yeah. Um, oh, uh, yeah, the, what was I, I was watching something on... Uh, oh, I'll tell you what it is. I've rediscovered, thanks to Talking Pictures TV, my love of Laurel and Hardy. Oh, God, yeah. But for the shorts, not for the big. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! No, 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 no! The 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 Warner Brothers films, a poo. Yeah, everything with shorts. Yes, the one I watched. I watched one last night. Um, Hog Wild. Right. Yes. Trying to put um an aerial mast on the telly. Yes. And God, I just pissed myself. Where the chimney gives way. Yes. Oh, it's just so much. But the best moment in it for me is where you've had, I think, Oliver's just fallen through the roof. Yeah. And he's and he's picked himself up inside and his wife is sat there with a face on her. And Stan comes in looking awfully vacant and apologetic at once. Oliver walks out. Stan turns to follow him and just walks straight into a table, a coffee <laughs> table, and falls over it. <laughs> yes. And it's just like... Unexpected little moment of it's just wonderful, but the phys- oh. they are so gifted as unbelievable, unbelievable, remarkable watching them, well, just well, remarkable. That's why Beckett based uh, Godot on them, didn't mm. you know the whole it's characters of it? But I mean, stunning. Some other ones to look out for. I mean, have you seen Blotto made during Prohibition, where they think no. they've got the bottle, they get a bottle of booze to go out to a jazz club. And mm. the wives suss this out, of course, and so they pour it down the sink and replace it with like furniture polish and like sh- your shoe shine and everything and then they're in the club drinking this and they think the paste so there's some great bits in that that blotto's great um below zero is a great one where the buskers in the snow and they find the wallet i've got that one on the skybox to watch yes so. that's oh. a superb oh owen garson smothered in onions um, I, I, I do love them I do love them I mean we grew up on them summer was not summer without those shows in a morning no you know? absolutely absolutely. Um, another wonderful. fine mess is a cracker 
Somebody's coming to my house. Um, I mean, there's so many of them. The Hal mm. Roach shorts. I, I wouldn't know. You need Dave Pinchalingi here, who's a massive Laurel and Hardy fan. Um, mm. uh, but I, I would say there's probably approaching 70 or 80 of these things. That's but amazing, the, isn't But it? the movies are crap. Mm. I think the movies are made by Warners. I'm not, no, MGM. Mm. The movies beginning around about 1939 with the chump at Oxford, don't they? Yeah, and that's, that's right. That's that's quite passable. Flying Deuce is about 1939. It's not bad either. But then you get into some of the rest of them. It's the same with W.C. Fields. You know, William Claude Duckenfield, everyone's favourite mm. Yorkshireman. You know, when you get into W.C. Fields and, you know, you watch things like Man on a Trapeze and It's a Gift and that, which are beautiful films. And then mm. in 1941, when he goes, I believe, again with MGM, he does The Bank Dick. Now, The Bank Dick's not crap by any any stretch. But it's it's not it's a gift. I mean it's a gift is absolutely fantastic. And mm. again with the shorts, they're just brilliant. I mean the Laurel and Hardy one though ones though, nothing will replace them for me. They're no. just they're just superb. And and even the silence, if you watch the silence, you know, things like habeas corpus and things like that are, yeah. are really, really good. And mm. and you know that Stan was the director and the writer, you know the dynamic of the of the thing, don't you? So you know mm. all them looks to camera you get off Ollie, where it's like, well, he, you know what Ollie used to do. Sorry, what Stan used to do was he knew that at three in the afternoon Ollie would want to be on the golf course, so he'd mm. be like that, right, Ollie? We're going to do the reaction shots now, and he'd be like, he wanted to go. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, and he'd wait for that moment. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'd wait until Babe wanted to go because because oh, wow. Ollie used to get a shave done by a big. That's like an Italian barber dude who used mm. to slap his face. Oh, it's a big baby. So, so Ollie was babe. Everyone knew him as babe, like you know. Yeah. But no, I mean Laurel and Hardy are quality. I didn't know they were they showing them again. Are. Yeah. Oh, they are, and I'm just discovering them. Well, do you know what? I didn't discover them through the TV showings. I was just thinking then. I discovered them from a man called Alf. Um, who was a wonderful old stick. Now, when I when I first... Alf was a mate of my dad's, but I must have been... God, I must have been about six or seven when I was introduced to Alf. And Alf was late 70s, early 80s mm. even then. And he was a proper old man, you know? Not not yeah. like now, where people are in their 70s and playing tennis. Oh, ridiculous. Alf was, Alf was knackered at that point. Yeah. Very, very short. Not much taller than me. Cap. Um, <coughs> I mean, bless you, dear. I mean... Yeah. He genuinely looked like something out of, you know, early 1960s Corrie. He looked very much like Albert Tatlop but without, without the glasses. The me. You'd hear him fucking clomping along streets. You'd hear him coming miles. And because, you know, because they were farmers and stuff like that. So they'd have one foot on the curb and one foot in the gutter. Because yeah. after plowing fields for donkey's years, right, one leg was shorter than the other because one walked on the, on the top, the furrow, and one walked, you know, whatever you call them. You know, the height, one was higher yeah. than the other. One leg in the furrow and one in the trough or whatever you want to call it. So the legs yeah. over time had, had shortened, right? So they could only walk with one foot on the curb and one in the road. Is that what it was? And you'd hear them old men walking for bloody miles, yeah. Because do you yeah. know what what Alf's job was? His job he was a he was a turkey farmer, and we used right. to get our turkeys from him. And he used to have a built up shoe. Oh, they had to yeah, he yeah, had yeah. to wear a built up shoe. But yeah. the other thing that he did was he was absolutely passionate about film. And since World War Two, he'd gone everywhere with his eight mil camera, oh, and man. so he had taken so much footage, reels and reels of eight mil. Uh, 
film of Liverpool it, during World War Two and post World War Two, um, the amount of footage of the trams of the overhead railway. There's um, the the only documentary that consists solely of archive footage of the overhead railway. It's purely Alf's films Unbelievable. Um, th- wow. that uh, made this up. And so I used to go around to his house sometimes with my dad's, and I'm I'm seven eight years old, and we go through. And I remember he had a very he lived on a farm. He had a very very angry pig. It was was furious, and I found this hysterical because if you went too close to the door of the of uh, the part of the barn where the pig was, it would hurl itself against the door, trying to just get out, and it would have killed me presumably because it was a big bloody thing. It would hurl itself against the door, screeching, which I found hysterical. I hated his geese though; the geese were bastards. You know, we're not keen on geese. Don't like a hissing you. No. Not keen. Not no. keen. The Shut pig off. I found funny, but we would, um, we'd, my dad would chat for a bit to him, and then he'd look at me and he went, Shall I put up film, Mum? Yes. And we'd go into this room he'd set up, which was his cinema, this old projector, wow. one of those old screens that you had to pull up and you had to yeah. lynch over the top. And then he would randomly select from these piles of films that he had. I mean, there were piles of the things, and you never knew what you were going to get. So you might just get sort of uh, action from the docks, sort of, you know, the pier head with the ships coming in and out. But occasionally he'd pick one up, and he'd load it up. And he had never wrote on the on the leaders or on the cases what it was going to be. And occasionally he'd put one on, and it would be a Harold Lloyd that yes. he had uh, he'd acquired from a local cinema back in the day or something. The amount of stuff he had, I mean, God knows what he would have had there. And then, unfortunately, after he died, his family didn't see the use of this stuff, and the vast majority was binned. I'm afraid, That's which I such a tragedy. It is because I don't know what was there, but my my love, I I think my love of collecting. Actually, God, I've never thought of this till just now, but it's probably the reason I've got the shelves here full yes. of telly. It's probably Alf and his aggressive pig. It probably goes back it to him. Probably a, is. Alf Alf Roberts, his name was. If you no. if you wanted to go any more Corrie, his name was Alf Roberts. That's unbelievable. And um, um, I all I knew was that he had loads of film, and then and then every year around November, sort of mid November, we'd go round <laughs> and he'd walk us through the barns, and there's all these turkeys sort of clucking away, making noises, and then my dad would go, That one. And the next time I saw it, it'd be dead and the barn yes. would be empty. Yes, with bacon across its back. Yeah, in fact, there's no, I'd tell a lie. The next time I saw it, we'll be back in the barn again. And what he would do is, exactly where that live turkey had been sat was now exactly the same turkey but dead. Excellent. <laughs> so it's a lovely way of making sure you, you get in the same one, Keith. It's that one. Yeah, Killed it yeah. For you. I'm sure that I'm sure Keith was asked as well that he, he wanted to make sure he did get the one he picked. Oh, oh, my dad would have been very asked that he got the same turkey as the one he picked. There's that Absolutely. great story, the Sherlock Holmes one. Have you read it yet? The Blue Carbuncle. Mm. Mm. And Ken Campbell plays the the the, the butler brilliantly. Um, uh, no, he's not a butler. He works in the hotel, doesn't he? Mm. Oh, he's great. You've not got enough blood in you for crime. Oh, is it criminality? I can't remember the line. But the blue carbuncle's lovely, isn't it? You know, he mm. nicks the stone, he nicks the jewel, and he he shoves it down the throat of the goose, uh, oh. where his auntie's gr- um, uh, rearing them all for Christmas. And then it's like, oh, oh okay, I want to take my goose, auntie. And it's like, oh, well, we've been we've been fattening your one up for you. <laughs> no, I want that one. It's like, oh, 
okay. Um, <laughs> and then it ain't the right goose, is it? Because it's one with a black spot on its head. And That's he just it. does it quickly because the police are there. And then there's <sighs> this, this chase all around London for the goose. And Holmes' oh. wage with the man on um, the market who was going... Well, he he won't tell him anything about it. He's like, oh, I'm sick of people asking me where these geese are from. Because Ken Campbell's character is trying to track down this priceless gem that he shoved down the throat of a goose that's gone mm. to, to market. And then Holmes spots the sport in life in his pocket and says to Watson, oh, well, the wager's off. <laughs> what wager? And he's like, I said this would be a town-bred goose. My friend said it was a country-bred goose. Ah, oh, well, you're wrong, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant. Wonderful. It's just such a good one. And it's set at Christmas as well. Oh, perfect. And you know what? I've got to say as well, it, it's, it's one of those strange things. It's one of those bits around the edges. That, to me, the first volume of Willow the Wisp, I don't know why... That's Christmas to me. No, yeah. I didn't know why, actually. I got that at Christmas, but I got it on tape. I got it on BBC cassette. Um, it's Winter Nights, Christmas, 81. Willow the Wisp is five to six Winter Nights, isn't it? It's five it, to six it is. getting in, isn't it? It's like a bit of penny for the guy, get in the house, smack round the head, and yeah. go and sit down in front of the tally. Right, you're allowed to watch that with your calm beef butties and your cup of soup now. Absolutely. Willow the Wisp just... Oh, it is, but it's not a summer show at all. No. It's, it's Absolutely very not. much. And it's, it's very difficult. You can't recreate that in a box set. That I bought the DVD a number of years ago, you know, with the gold cover. And yeah, you can't you that. can't just package like five hundred winter nights onto one, you know, dual layered DVD. It just you doesn't can't. work like that. It doesn't. You can't compress the experience. And so it does bring into question what it is you actually love. It's 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 almost as if the, the thing itself is a fulcrum around which other experience revolve, isn't it? I think so, yeah. It absolutely is. I mean, it, you're right, it is winter. For me, Will of the Wisp is pure comfort in a way that none of the other five-minute cartoons were for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but it was a special one. Even, uh, I mean, I remember, I must have been seven, um, just after getting the cassette and uh, taking it into school one day, and... Playing it during a lesson, we we had a very nice teacher. What was she called? Mrs. Austin K. I think wow. her name was, who who was nicknamed by a friend of mine, Mrs. Ostentatious, and I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed at that. But Adam Williams, very very good turn of phrase for a boy of his age. Yes. Um, but I remember that being played, and Mrs. Austin K. Actually laughing at the jokes, which I hadn't started to appreciate yet. No. I can remember that. That was. Yeah, lovely. It's a lovely thing. It is. Really but it is. is. Yeah. It really is. And I, didn't they try and bring it back with James Dreyfus? Mm. I'm guessing that just fell flat. No. That's yes. all I'm saying. Well, it's... I mean, with no disrespect to James Dreyfus, I don't think. I think it's one of those things that you just can't recreate. You, you can't. can't recreate that. That that was ma that literally was magic. That show. It was. But you know, it's a similar thing. They tried to bring back the magic roundabout. In about 91, 92, but mm. with Nigel Planer um, doing oh, it. God, no. But I'll I tell mean, you the problem. I'll tell you the problem on. straight away is the scripts were written. And, of course, Eric Thompson's ah. scripts weren't written. There's that lovely description. Phila Delore is uh, his widow. Did she has. just call him Thompson? That's right, yeah. Thompson. And she's talking about him. Yeah. And she talks about how he borrowed, I think it must have been a Steinbeck film uh, machine from the BBC, but it was uh, he could operate it with his feet, 
And he'd just sit there watching these cartoons with no sound, operating it with his feet, winding it backwards and forwards, and talking out loud, and just trying things out. And that's how he wrote Wonderful. The Magic Roundabout. He didn't write it at all. He just made it up. Wonderful. You know? Wonderful. And you, that's you can't recreate that. No, that is impossible. Mm. I mean, there's so much of it that was, you know, it's the wrong word, but I'm going to use it any, anyway, synesthetic synesthesia yeah. which is not the right word because synesthesia is what Schubert had wasn't he where he could see mm. music and colours but no. it, it's this sort of this sympathetic um, you know this this communion with material that isn't isn't around now we don't have that we don't mm. have that I think that the here we go again the Doctor Who theme tune you know is another great example of how mm. people were feeling their way into um, creating art as opposed to, as you say, scripted, as opposed to being rigidly, you know, as opposed to it being by committee, as opposed mm. to it being proscribed, just people creating things for the love of it. <clears throat> and For the love of and trial and error. And it might have been shit, so what? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm sure a lot of the stuff made was shit. We, we remember the good stuff, but then again... You watch some stuff. My God, watch the first series of The Tomorrow People. It's dog shit, most of it, but it's still yeah. magnificent. But they were trying, you know, they were trying to yeah. be Doctor Who and they didn't even have that budget. But it didn't matter because because there's still a sort of, there's a love to it. And that's what's, it's that love, it's love again. Yeah, and, 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 and I think that people can actually, you know, sense that. I think that mm. we can sense that. And I think... You know, with these things that we venerate so much, I think we could actually, you know, I think we could feel its heart and soul, really. Mm. And, no, and that is so. what is missing from everything, mm. really, it, nowadays. It, it is, yeah. I mean, I keep I, we keep hoping that there'll be some sort of a return. But, you know, you know what? There is. There's an occasional glimmer, because, of course, you and I this week have been working with some young people mm. who've started to love Henrik Ibsen. yes. What the hell's that about? They are entirely the wrong people to love Ibsen, but yeah. they do. Now that's yeah. I that hear gives that me a bit you of hope. I hear that you cried at one of the performances. Yes, I did. I got to do you know, today. Do you know, oh, do you know what? I did, because when you're seeing these these kids who are trying, you know, trying out something that to them is gonna be so alien and so new. And they're performing a bit of Henrik Ibsen's Ghosts. And they've listened. And they've listened to that whole thing about playing the pause and and believing in the silence. Mm -hmm. and, and they let themselves go. And there were just... When they started performing, their little Scouse accents dropped away. Mm. And suddenly they were acting. They weren't performing, they were mm -hmm. acting. And yeah, it absolutely just went... something. Just something turned. And I just went, oh... And I just sat back, and it was like an involuntary reaction. And I'm not sure what it was, but I think that those I moments that, are there. I think that it was because, for whatever reason this week, um, things clicked. Certainly yeah. with getting across uh, what naturalism is. Mm. Because I think that there's that, that there's that real perception, isn't there? That, that naturalism is just completely recreating... You know, it's confused with realism. And exactly. So there were yeah. so many light bulb moments this week. Um, and once people were like, uh, once students were aware that the, the emotional responses were the valid interpretation of the text, it's like, mm. ah. 
Yes. Ah, I it's, see. Yeah, it's that. And also bringing it to life. I mean, my, my favourite thing always, I mean, I, I've always loved Ibsen, but my favourite thing is, um, you know, he, he was a man who did not believe in votes for women or anything like that. Um, even though he wrote these strong female characters, controversial, you know, to us, they were characters who were now just doing normal things like deciding to leave their husbands controversial in the day to give a to give a female character something like that but my favorite thing about henrik ibsen is the fact that his nurse his lady nurse when he wasn't very well said to him her dr ibsen i believe that you are going to recover and his reply was on the contrary and he died i love that <laughs> that's wonderful that's magnificent <laughs> He was certainly an interesting character. Oh, he was. But, and it's yeah. certainly good to see things that, you know, from beyond the grave and, and many, you know, 140 years down yeah. the line actually mm. can, can draw the same emotional response from people. Because that's the great thing about all of this, isn't it? That mm. human beings fundamentally don't change. They might wear different clothes. They might espouse, you know, some different opinions, but ultimately you know uh, the pain of betrayal and death and dishonor and love mm. and hate and they're all you know, right there they're, they're all right yeah, there yeah they don't change those guttural responses now, there's that wonderful sonnet uh, there's a sonnet by shakespeare um um about about his son um which has got the line um but out alack he was but one half hour mine I think after his son had died, and you read that, and you can feel mm. such bloody pain there. You know, which is the same pain as any of us would feel going through that. Now that's not changed. That's not changed. So people are fundamentally the same. We're just distracted by an awful lot of crap these days. Yeah, that's and why I'm not. It's why I'm not at all uh, sad that I've been banned from Facebook for thirty days. For ah. I wondered when this was going to come through. Is this is this once again Bruce Farsyth saying about his daughter being usurped at some kind of uh, Eurovision Song Contest with the votes? It's just that ten years ago when my beloved. Come on, so, so, so come on, uh, come on. Let's let's get the boot in. There's no boot to really put in, Mike. Do you know who I blame here? Robert Holmes. Okay. I, I, I blame Robert Holmes because I stole a line. Um, right, I stole the line. Uh, from him, which every single smart ass little Doctor Who fan used at some point, thinking they were being clever. But on this occasion, I thought, bollocks, I'll use that because I'm tired. Sure. You're a classic example of the inverse ratio of mouth and brain. And I use that, and I've been reported for hate speech. I'm not joking. I will send you a screenshot know, of the report. I know you're not joking. I know you're right, not joking. That, that's hate speech. Now, you're a classic example of the inverse ratio of mouth and brain. That's a lovely line. I sent that to someone who was frankly an asshole, and I could have said an awful lot more. But um, no, and because there have been a few other minor transgressions that I've committed, 30 days, 30 days, and I don't care. Oh, actually. bollocks, mate. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Twitter. I don't use any of them. Fuck it. It's 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 an absolute time sink. Mm. It's not well, just I mean, a time sink, but it's full of assholes. Yes, dear. Frankly. People with an inverse ratio of mind mouth and brain. And mouth yes. And brain. Although, although, of course, we 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 like Twitter in some ways. Do don't forget to follow us at Nice Things Show. Yes, yes. You had a lovely response from Janet Ellis only this very day. The beautiful, the wonderful Janet, Janet, Ellis. Janet Ellis. Janet Ellis. I think Janet Ellis is the reason. That to this day I've all 
I find ladies slightly more attractive if they sound like they've got a bit of a cold. Yes, I think that's, we that's liked Janet, Janet Ellis, Ellis didn't we? We love Janet Ellis. Oh, yes. we still love Janet Ellis. Yes, we're but, sounding creepy now. Let's let's change our well, tone yeah, of voice. Well, let's point out we've also had contacts this week. We were very ni- It was very nice to have some interaction on the nice things account from Mr. Fraser Hines. Mr. Fraser Hines, who must, and, must, must have had a great life as being one of the most eligible, beautiful uh, young men in this country and absolutely. famous in the 60s. And and who else did we have interaction with, Mike? <laughs> you, you mean Ice Tea? I mean Ice Tea. Mister Ice Tea was kind enough to uh, make his presence. That was nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So we, we sort of we retweeted Ice Tea, who mm. was expressing his sadness at the passing, and why ever wouldn't you of the mm. great. And John and Chalice, John Chalice, the wonderful John Chalice, the Lord of Ludlow himself, who who found uh, you know real, a very canny man, worthy mm-hmm. of Boise himself, because he had the green green grass filmed at his house in Ludlow, yeah. thereby getting a nice fee, <laughs> Marlene, whatever you want to call wonderful. it. So he was a bright man, mm. um, but the fact that Ice T, and I think the. Was it the president of Bulgaria or something like that? Didn't he make he, a film there recently? He's incredibly. Because Bulgaria, Bulgaria I think it is, was Norman Wisdom, wasn't it? Were, no, I think it is Bulgaria, Bulgaria actually. Well. Um, he was in, he was loved in Bulgaria. He made documentaries about Bulgaria, full Bulgarian television. I think we could be mixing the Bulgaria thing up with Norman Wisdom. It was certainly some Eastern Bloc country. Something Feel free like to that. Google. I, I'm but, having a little Norman Google. Wisdom was was a folk hero out there, wasn't he? He made that film with uh, what's his name? Who's uh, Tony Hawk? He made a documentary out there because he was considered every man. He was considered mm. little men who who won out over Grimsdale. Yeah, right, so so he was considered every man. So it might not have been uh, Bulgaria. Um, I will tell you, but uh, certainly we quote tweeted Ice T's thing for John Chalice mm. and said we are living in a simulation or something along those lines. Yes. <laughs> which Ice T then retweeted, which was which was quite interesting. That was strange. Hang on, I'm going to tell you mm. right now. Prompted. Around the world and the place we are looking for, Serbia. Serbia, that was it. It's yeah. Serbia, where they are. Um, the the deputy mayor of Belgrade. It's Belgrade. Belgrade. No, the deputy Belgrade. mayor of Belgrade, who is called uh, Goran Vesic, uh, is, is. is renaming a road uh, after John Chalice. Right, I'm having that. Isn't that wonderful? That is just the best. That, that is, is magnificent. I mean, is isn't he Scorby in the Seeds of Doom? He is. He is Scorby, and he's got a wonderful line, um, which is "Money is my religion." Which, when that was released on VHS, was a bit too controversial, and strangely enough, the sound dips a little at that point. Oh, just to God. That line. Yeah, it does. They 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 dip the sound on that line. "Money is my religion." Um, How but strange. he's wonderfully chilling in that. But you look on IMDb and the man's credits. I mean, I know oh, he I... did. He did Crossroads as a slightly comedic, perverted newspaper photographer in 1971. No episodes remaining, of course. Um, but a, a wonderful actor with a hell of a legacy. Now just, you know, we, so much more than Boise. Although, my God, he was good in that role. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. He, he was, was wonderful. Brilliant. I mean, and then to do, I think, five series... And mm-hmm. a spin-off with the green yeah. green grass. Filmed in his house. Yeah, yeah you know. That's that, good. That will do anybody. That would it do will. anyone. 
And I'd also like to, get, I, I think, a passing mention for another uh, another chap who who departed up to the green room in the sky this week, and that's Morris Perry. Indeed, <sighs> Morris Perry of, in the Sweeney. In the Sweeney, he's he's in visiting in, firemen, I think. Anyway, is he? He's yes. well. We've got the Sweeney. He's in the first two series of um, Special Branch with Darren Nesbitt, and he's wonderful in that. And of course, he's in Survivors in Mad Dog, where yes. he ends up contracting rabies. And I think that probably one of the scariest images I've ever seen is when he runs out of his house in the grip of rabies, foaming at the mouth. He was in his 50s when he filmed that. Yeah. Uh, foaming at the mouth and giving his all, playing a man dying of rabies. Then, And when he screams that line, I've got rabies, he acts that. He yeah. acts that. Beautifully, yeah. I'm hell of an actor. Um, just uh, a grand old age, though, ninety six. Oh yeah, so. man. I mean, he, he reminds me of those sort of lumpy, porridged faced chaps with sort of fur, very fine fur hair. Like, wasn't Basil Henson another one? Mm. Wasn't was it Hendon? Basil Henson or Hendon? Hen- he was in a uh, um, when the boat comes in. Yes, that's he it. He was yeah. sort of like to, he was a. Uh, co- uh, uh, pr- uh, Manners. Manners was Jack Ford's um, commanding officer on the Somme. Mm. And so the whole shtick that he has over uh, Horatio Manners, who was his commanding officer at the Somme, Jack Ford, and when the boat comes in, is that the scandal was that Manners was caught fondling another chap oh. when, they, when they cleared the wreckage after the shell burst on the Somme. Mm. And it was a disgrace, you see, because mm. obviously one couldn't be a boofty in those no, days. No, no, no. Um, so that's the whole subtext with him and Horatio Manners, who gives Jack lots of jobs to do, like demolishing um, manor houses where he wants to build things and stuff like that. Oh. Um so he was another one, Basil Henson. You get these lovely sort of porridgey faced blokes mm. who are very her, her that's the colour of gold. cigarette. Yeah. Yes. But it's very fine hair. But mm. the skin is sort of very sort of waxy and Yes. Um, yeah. you know, so there were a couple of them knocking around. Who was the guy in the piglet files? He's 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 grown into one of those chaps. He was the cartoonist who drew the 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 things as oh. well. Can't remember his bloody name. The Alzheimer's Express. Isn't yeah, off we go. At platform nine. Yeah. But yeah, Morris Perry, fantastic mm. chap. Wonderful. I thought when you sent me the message the other day, I thought you meant bloody uh, Christopher Barrios. I was like, really? Mm. I think he went a while ago, dear. I think he did. Yeah. Oh I think God, he yeah, did. he went a long time ago. He did, but yes. Yeah, so uh, you know, two two goodens we've lost this week, but you know, they really were. They were good. Yeah, sad for Boise because he was only like seventy-one, wasn't he? I think he was. Wasn't he seventy? Was he? Mm. He wasn't very old. He wasn't Morris Perry age. Wait, was he, he? Wa- he wasn't ninety-six or so. No, very um, few are. Yeah, very few. But uh, no, a, a good life, a good couple of lives, well lived. Just wonderful, wonderful. Absolutely, what a life, well lived. What a seventy-nine. Legacy. 79, would you believe? Just check. Vice. Vice yeah, was. 79. Didn't oh. look it at all, but no. wonderful. And there's so many of those Phil's and Horses actors that have gone. I mean, you know, I mean, Tony Anholt, he went pretty young as well, didn't he? 
He did, yeah. I was you know. just watching him in Triangle yesterday. Yeah. But he went very young. And, and I think he looked a hell of a lot younger than he was. Uh, right, is that what it was? I think it was with him. But yeah, he's he, a very he's sort of handsome bloke, wasn't he? he was very. Kind of, who, who you called upon for that kind of handsome chap, dash. Yeah, absolutely. But what was he in? Okay. Not the, it wasn't the Tomorrow People of Summer. What was his thing that he was in in the 70s that he was kind of like? Was it Space 1999? Yes, it was. I think was, was that what it was. That would be knowing it from. was. Yeah, but but then just guest star in everything and handsome bloke in Howard's Way, handsome bloke in Triangle, yes, handsome, ter- terrifying man in Juliet Bravo in that Halloween episode. Ah, have we watched Flowers in the Fall? We should. It's Halloween soon. It we is, should be Mike. thinking about that. Do you know what you gave me that episode? Now I believe eight years ago. And no, I've not watched, about eleven not- years ago. All right, 11 it must be, actually, and I've not watched it. Flowers in the fall. And this falls into that wonderful metaphysical realm that we were talking about earlier in Mm. our day job, whereby, you know, uh, there's that that congregation of what is paranormal and what is reality, and could Mm. this actually be real? And I think that's the one time that, you know, the sort of ever-prosaic Bergerac strays into that metaphysical world, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and and chilling for the fact that it it only does it once. But then again, in Juliet Bravo, we get that one episode, and to this day, sorry, did I, I say Bergerac? You I'm did, very you tired. did. Th- th- that's Julia all right. No. But no, I yeah, you is gave it, me that. I thought it, it was Bergerac Flowers in the Fall. It is no the the Juliet Bravo one's called Halloween. Okay, we're talking at cross purposes here. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. L- no, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are both fucking yeah. exhausted by that. Very long week. But no, the, the Juliet Bravo you gave me 11 years ago, but I remember it right. from when it was on. I was six when it was on. And I remember watching it, and it was Tony Anholt sat at a table with a crane shot over him, hands on the table, and him chanting. And I can remember the chant where he's just going, you must come down to the woods, my dear. You must, you must, you must. And then a slow crossfade to this girl wandering through the woods out of it, not knowing what was going on, scared the shit out of me. And I've not watched it yet. I might. I might, but if we watch it, we should watch it together and record a commentary. And do a commentary, but yes, we should. It'll largely consist of me crying, I think. Just you might not fear. be asked. You might not care anymore. I don't know, you know. That's one that just... No, that's wrong. That makes scared. me know that scared. Don't well, the thing Satan is that once me. they once they start, and I think they tried and failed this with Canine and Company. But once you mm. start to try and sort of, you know, pick away at the uh, fabric of reality, the BBC reality that we all grew oh, yeah. up with. Once you start mm. sort of fucking around with that, people do start getting freaked. You mm. know, in the same way that. Um, they used to do silly things like this in soap operas, didn't they? I mean, probably very unsuccessfully. Didn't they bring Vera Duckworth back as a ghost? As a ghost? Um, yeah, that was when Jack Duckworth's character died and they brought Elizabeth Dawn back yeah. um, for a final scene. Um, yeah, they did that. But then again, the granddaddy of them all, which uh, there's only about 20 minutes of this still on, um, which exists on audio, sadly, is I think 1969 or 70 when there was a coven of witches in Crossroads. Right, um, there we go. And we're back. Wonderful. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. You've we, got you a did motel. well this week. That, that's about I did well. Without mentioning that's Crossroads. That's not bad. That's amazing. That's not bad. I think RTD corked your juices. It did briefly. God, can yeah. you imagine if he had control of Crossroads? That would be magnificent. No, that would be amazing. The petition starts here, I feel. Right. Okay, I'm signing that. 
I'm yes. signing that. That would be wonderful. That yes. would be magnificent. So yeah, Coven of Witches, what a shame we don't have that now. We don't have that. We've got we've got a little bit of audio, but that's all. But yes, a fully fledged uh, witchcraft cult in the middle of King's Oak in Birmingham. Wonderful <laughs> stuff. <laughs> written written partly by Terence Dix. That storyline, it must be said, and Malcolm Hulk, ah. um, just before they got the Who gig. But then the IBA got wind of what they were up to. It's like, no, stop that one. That's finished. That storyline's finished. And so it does end rather abruptly with a vicar shouting at someone, and then everyone goes home. So. No doubt that's because the sort of the Satanists who uh, existed within our government at the time did not enjoy the practices being um, played out at 6.30 every night on the news, uh, on the, on, on the television. Say. You know, they're probably yes. like, oh, good God, no. Turn that Ooh, off. No, we don't want that. Yes. It's no. just healthy chaps <laughs> having fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yes. I, I think that the the tiredness is now getting the better of me, dear. I think that mm. um, the fact that we've managed to record this is absolutely fucking incredible. <laughs> I hope it's made some <laughs> sense. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it's been all right. But um, uh, once again, thank you for thank you for all your lovely interactions on on Twitter, yes. which uh, Mike occasionally looks at. He does log into the onto the nice things. Okay. Uh, and, and thanks for all the people that we met in purple. In perpetuity, in person, <laughs> last week, who were just blowing the top of my head off, saying, "This is how we mm. watch it. This is how we listen to it. This is how." Uh, Jason Ers being one of them. Um, Dan, um, Simon, obviously, um, and all the other people. It was just incredible to sort of to see something that we do in our living rooms that's got a life of its own. It's lovely. That's, it's really that's lovely. nice. I'm, and I look forward to next time I shall I shall make the effort myself and we, we will yes, both turn up. Absolutely. We will both be there. Absolutely. So, yes. and, but and it is lovely to know that. Yeah. Um, but once again, if anyone wouldn't mind just leaving a little review uh, on any of the podcast apps, uh, um, there's one called Something yes. Cast. I'm very tired. Apple, you know, where they, wherever you find it, if you could leave us a little, you yeah, know, one you of the said nice five, five star. stars on would be lovely. lovely. Five star review yes. and just put this very nice. That would Are we, uh, so am I to take it that I'm always going to be tired now for the rest of my life with this job? Rest of your me? life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You get three months of the year where you aren't tired and you're deliriously happy, but yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Well, they're going to be knackered from now on, then, aren't they? No, they I'm might afraid. be a bit. They might I'm be afraid. a bit. But uh, well, we'll we'll still. Be we here. shall soldier on. We shall soldier. We will. We will. Well, uh, I think that wraps that one up. <clears throat> I think so. So uh, until next week, everyone at home, thank you for listening. If you listened this far, well done. Um, and uh, we shall see and hear you. I'll speak to you. No, you'll hear us again next time. It's time for bed. It's time for bed. Good night. Good night. Good night. Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.
Nice.